All right, everybody.、Uh, welcome to another sober mind episode. Episode number seven this time. Seven. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And、uh, today is kind of a special episode because.、Um, We are recording this from three different locations at the same time. So I'm recording from Helsinki, my my、uh, office. And where are you, Luke? I'm in Kongersniemi, actually, which is about、uh, three and a half hours north of that. <laughs> and then we've got a treat for all of you listeners. We've got a guest on today, Simo Frestadius. Welcome to the podcast, Simo. Thank you very much, and I, I'm a bit further afield. I'm in the UK, in Malvern, in Worcestershire, so just south south of Birmingham. That's awesome. I'm glad that、uh, technology works this way, where we can <laughs> get stuff like this happening. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah,、um, yeah. So, Simo and I, I go actually way back.、Uh, We're childhood friends, and、uh, Simo, can you just、uh, tell? About yourself, just、uh, introduce yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I've known Ville well, I think since I was eight,、mm -hmm. and、uh, yeah, so we've known each other for a long time. So I suppose quite similar to Ville, I come、uh, from a kind of a, a missionary pastor's kid family. So I kind of grew up in a, in a Pentecostal charismatic church, and、uh, um, spent most of my childhood in Tanzania, and then my teenage years in Finland. And then, pretty much all my adult life, I've been living in the in the UK. And、uh, again, I was brought up in a Christian home, so there's been that kind of a sense of God and and Jesus and the church, you know, the Bible, which I believe we're talking about today, has always been you know a major part of 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 my life. But I think, as for a lot of people growing up in Christian homes, when I was a teenager, it was around that time that I really kind of, you know, had to make the decision: is this Christianity? Just a, a faith of my parents, or is it something for me as well? And around that time, I think I would have been around fifteen or so. I really decided to to make a decision for myself. That, hey, if this is worth something, it's worth everything. And、um, uh, yeah, that was really significant、um, step for me. And then、um, yeah, and then you know after after finishing school, I came to came to theological college in the UK, and really I've I've stayed here ever since. At the moment, I'm a I'm the academic dean of undergraduate studies at Regent's Theological College, and I and I lecture on theology、uh, to do with well with apologetics, with John's Gospel,、uh, philosophy of religion, Pentecostal theology, bit of issues in contemporary theology, so bits and bobs. <laughs> so you're the guy with the answers. Well, <laughs> that's that's why we brought him here. I'm, I'm certainly <laughs> the guy with the questions. <laughs> yeah. Me and Luke, throughout making this podcast, we just presented a whole bunch of problems and never solve anything. So no, you guys、yeah. have been doing great.、I've, like I said, I've been listening to to what you've been doing. Yeah, some really good good reflections and honest honest discussion. That's great. Okay,、uh, it'd be nice. It's actually I'm I'm super excited to hear、uh, somebody's opinion who actually like、um, studies this stuff and actually、um, thinks about it like all the time and because.、Uh, Well, we just have our own kind of like kitchen, kitchen、uh, philosophy opinions <laughs> about this whole thing, and <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so this is actually super exciting for me as well. Great, yeah. So、um, today's topic is、uh, the reliability of the Bible, and that's kind of what we chose for this episode. And I don't know. Hopefully, maybe in the future we can do another episode about something else, but. 
I think this is a pretty broad and like <laughs> uh, hard topic to tackle, at least between me and Luke, since we don't know anything. And, uh, <laughs> but like, um, this is a pretty general, like pretty broad question to ask. But Simo, how reliable is the Bible just in general? Do you have anything to say to that? Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, again, I think for me, reflecting on the question, you know, I think there's there's many ways of looking at it. And I think particularly as Christians, when we look at it as both as kind of a the word of God, as we would say, as well as the kind of the reliability of it as a historical document. So I think for me, particularly the New Testament, for me, that would be historically very reliable. Um, mm -hmm. So I, so I, my personal belief would be that, you know, I would take it, particularly the New Testament is historically very reliable. And then I would also take the whole Bible as, as the word of God. So if you like divine revelation. So yes, my answer would be, yes, I would take it as, as reliable. What's the problem with the Old Testament then? <laughs> well, again, I think uh, maybe problem is, is, is putting it too, too strongly. I suppose maybe some of the challenges with the Old Testament is that I guess the way that people would have viewed history, particularly in the Old Testament times, is not how we view history today. So often what you see them doing or recording history might not match up to the modern standards of historiography. That said, I think the same could be said about aspects of the New Testament. Now, that for me doesn't make it historically inaccurate, but I think we just need to appreciate that when these texts were written, they were written primarily and first to the people of their time. And therefore, they were following patterns and ways of writing that would have been accepted then and there, then and there. And therefore, I think we have to be a bit careful that we don't just assume that they were following our 21st century modern approach to history, for example. That's mm -hmm. a really good point. That's that's something I've never actually even thought about. But that's that's really interesting. It is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you take it as being like literally the word of God. And actually, I. I had exactly that question that should we <laughs> should we view it like literally as that or as that? yeah 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 a big question yeah and I think um yeah I, I would say yes I think for me when I when I reflect on the on the concept of the word of God um I suppose as a Christian you know if you were to ask me you know why do I believe the Bible is the word of God I think my answer to put it to put it kind of in simple terms, hopefully not simplistically, is that I believe in the Bible because I believe in Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. I think from a Christian perspective, you know, Jesus is actually the living word. You know, you, even when you read the Gospel of John, Jesus is the Logos, the word that became flesh. And therefore, if we want the perfect revelation, or if you want to see what God is like, and if you want to see God reveal himself to humanity, I think you have to look at Jesus because he is the word. Uh, so for, for me, Jesus is the perfect reflection of the word. But then for me, the Bible is the written word because it bears witness to Jesus and because it carries the words of Jesus, particularly in the New Testament. So if you like, I believe in the New Testament because I believe in, in Jesus and it bears witness to Jesus. And then why do I believe that, that the Old Testament is the word of God? Well, because Jesus seemed to believe that. <laughs> and, and, and and i've come and i've come to trust jesus you know as as a kind of a, a reliable source you know and and the truth so mm -hmm. i think for me mm -hmm. 
that's that's why I believe in the Old Testament to be the word of God. So Jesus would say things like, you know, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter five, you know, you know, the, talking about the law and the prophets and saying not an iota, not a dot will be removed or taken away until all is accomplished. You know, you think of John chapter 10, verse 35, Jesus' scripture cannot be broken. So there's that idea that it seems to me that Jesus believed that the Old Testament was the word of God. And because I believe in Jesus and I believe Jesus, I, I follow him on that. And then the New Testament, well, it carries the words of Jesus as well as the words of the apostles that Jesus, if you like, are deputized to speak on his behalf. So that's why I believe in the New Testament to be the word of God. Do you feel that there's any room for uh, kind of viewing, especially Old Testament, uh, as, as some of the stories, as more metaphor rather than actual occurrences? Yeah, yeah, I think... I think that there definitely is the, is the possibility for that. Uh, so, for example, think of the, the book of Job. Was Job a historical? Is it a historical book? Or is it more of a kind of a, a story that reveals about something about the nature of God and mm. his dealings with humanity and particularly the problem of suffering and evil in the world? Uh, <clears throat> now, there are many even evangelical scholars or Pentecostal charismatic scholars who would believe that, yes, it is a literal historical account. But then there would be others who would say, well, no, it's, it, is, it, is, it is a story. But again, if you like the underlying purpose and what the story or what the historical account tries to communicate to us, mm -hmm. in a sense, if you like, the theology, for me, doesn't really change either way. I think the only problem becomes if you assume that Job is claiming to be a historical account and then it is not then I guess you can ask the question, oh, is it trying to deceive us, <laughs> you know, in being mm, something that mm -hmm. is actually not. But again, I think often the problem comes, going back to my earlier comment, about our presuppositions, our assumptions about what the text should be. Mm, and therefore I point. think, and therefore I, I, I suppose, as you read any literature, any, any, any works, we talk about genre, what type of a literature, what type of a text it is. And I think when it comes to reading the Bible, I think that's, that's you know, one of the first questions we should ask. What kind of a text is this uh, and how should we be reading it? I suppose, you know, when you read the Psalms, you read them as kind of poetry, you know, and you approach mm -hmm. it in that sense. And therefore, you don't read all the metaphors literally mm. because that would lead to a lot of weird <laughs> and, and obscure <laughs> theology as, as a result. Uh, and I think that's just worth, worth keeping in mind. I think that's really interesting to think about, like, uh, just in general, I, I, I just get this feeling like how how are people like in any way prepared to read the Bible? Like, how, how are we supposed to think about it just in just in general? Like, should we have some kind of an understanding of how to read it before we start reading it? Just yeah. In general? <laughs> yeah, that's it's it's a really good question. Yeah, I think um, probably, you know we should have some kind of an understanding before before we start reading. I think what's really interesting, I think in a kind of a 21st century context, when we're kind of highly individualized in our approach to life, and and I guess because we we can have access to the Bible so easily, so therefore mm -hmm. we kind of just read it, read it for ourselves there and then, you know, whether, whether it's through a, your, your iPhone or through a printed copy or on a screen of your laptop or whatever, and therefore we can just read it there and then. But I guess for much of the history of the church that was not a, a possibility for people so therefore they would read the bible always in, in a kind of a community setting 
you know, as part of the church, with other Christians, and also with people perhaps who had some kind of an understanding of what the Bible is and how we perhaps should be reading it. So I think for in some ways, often we, because we, we can just access it directly, that can then mean that we just read it as we were reading a newspaper or, or maybe a scientific textbook. And that's not maybe how we should be yeah, reading. At least it's just as confusing as reading the news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I, I do think, you know, having a basic, I guess that's why sometimes things like study Bibles can be quite helpful. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I suppose if you want to go a bit more kind of hardcore, you know, biblical commentaries, you know, you know, if you if you read the book of Genesis, for example, get a get a good biblical commentary and read that alongside as you read the Bible to get a feel for, you know, its original context, its genre. Uh, right. You know, what do some of the words mean in their original context to the original audience and how might that differ to how we might interpret those reads with those words? So, yeah, I do definitely think that having yeah. some kind of a support in reading the biblical text is really helpful. Right. And, uh, you know, I guess still to this day, Catholics sort of have a different approach to reading the Bible just in, just as a whole, like only the clergy read it and then teach based on it. And like pretty much most of the church, regular church folk don't really read it at all. And I don't know if they have if that's yeah. the right approach. But <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think that certainly maybe in the past was because I, I probably most Catholics today would to some extent, well, okay, I can't speak for the Roman Catholic Church, but I would think a lot of them would. But I think you're right. You know, in, in their tradition, the church tradition plays a more significant role in guiding how people should read or should not read the text. Yeah, I think that's a fair observation. Mm -hmm. But But you're saying that we should however like we should be reading it and uh yeah absolutely yeah absolutely i think yeah w without a doubt you know i think one of the beauties i find with the bible is that although there are some books that just seem um <laughs> very challenging and confusing to, to mm -hmm. say the least um you know particularly with the gospels many of them again not all of them might have said it was straightforward but in a sense there is a simplicity to, to aspects of the stories as well that anyone can really read. Uh, and I think absolutely, I think, I think we should, we should read them. But again, I think often the gospels is a good place to start, a good place to start reading. Uh, and I think one of the nice things about the Bible is that so much of it is, is narrative, it's stories. And I think that often transcends culture as well as age or, you know, background knowledge. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good point. I, 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 haven't really thought of it that way before but but having said all of this do you feel that like like should we be handing the bible to brand new christians or or somebody who who is very interested in christianity and just handing it to them and saying here you go read yeah. this with no <laughs> kind of preface to you know any of this and and then i don't know what do you think about that is that something that in this day and age is like is a good thing or should we be kind of giving like a like a should there be like an additional like uh forward in the beginning of the bible that says read, <laughs> yeah. read this like this and assume <laughs> nothing about yeah. this you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely i think yeah i think probably both and what you said i think we should be still giving it to people for sure uh because i do believe that you know when i read the bible i do i do think it is a different kind of a book to many of the other books that I read, you know, I 
as part of my job and as part of my studies, I, I read a lot of books. Uh, but I read the Bible every day. I, I read it, typically I read it in the morning and I read it in the evening. And I do find it different. And in, in many ways, it speaks to me in different ways that perhaps other books don't. And therefore, I do believe uh, as, as a Christian that there is, if you like, it is the inspired word of God. And therefore, it does something and it can do something that other books can't quite do in the same way. Now, of course, when you read other books, sometimes they can do similar things, but not to the same extent and not, you know, all the pages as, as I often find with, with the scripture. So I think just for that reason, I think it is good to encourage people to read it. But going back to your your second kind of point, Luke, I think you're, you're right. I think to help people read it well, I think there should be some kind of a preface, some kind of an introduction. This is, hey, this is how you should read it. And also, I guess, particularly giving it to people that are not familiar with the Christian story or with, who've not come across the Bible before in terms of personally reading it. I think, again, not just letting them read it on their own, but reading it together, you know, reading it mm. in community. I know it's something you guys have been talking about in this podcast, the, the, the sense of community, you know, as I say, it's a Christian community and, and being real with each other. And I think that's how the Bible for me was always meant to be read uh, in community with others. As, as, and you work and you wrestle through some of the difficulties and challenges and try to make sense of what is God saying to us through this text. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, we also kind of briefly touched uh, on like interpretations, you know, like, yeah. um, so, you know how like everybody basically when they're reading the Bible, they are, you know, like, forming their own inter interpretation of that unless they have tools like what you were talking about be mm. before so doesn't that like doesn't that get confusing along the yeah. way and yeah. like uh, if everybody is already interpreting everything does it like does it matter kind of like also what what translation of the bible they're reading or because it, you know, everybody's already forming different opinions and everything. Well, and the yeah. translations are quite different in, in, from certain translations to others. There are things that are completely different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. so kind of, yeah, it's then then you're kind of at a loss that did you did you pick the right version to read or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops, yeah. You're not going to heaven because you chose the King James version. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe if we focus on the, on the question of translations first, I think that is a very good question. Uh, because, of course, you know, maybe to kind of state the obvious for, for some people, but maybe not for others. Um, of course, the Old Testament was originally written in, in Hebrew. You know, the New Testament in Greek, in Koine Greek, so kind of common Greek. So therefore, all the, the access that most people would have to it would be through a translation. So therefore, they're not reading it in its original format in its original text and that said anyway you know the bibles that we have they're compilations of, of of manuscripts so again we don't have the original copies of the hebrew or the original copies of the greek but what we do have is copies of copies of copies of them mm. and then based mm -hmm. on that we've kind of formulated our hebrew scriptures and our kind of new, new testament or christian scriptures as 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 well so old testament new testament uh, so therefore, I think a good translation is 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 important. Um, but I think, particularly with modern translations, whether you're using the NIV or ESV or you know Revised Standard Version, I think often they would they would be quite good 
good translations and they would try to work quite closely with the original texts and often they would point out to you when there are difficulties in in the translations but that said as you see no look sometimes there can be differences and sometimes they might even feel quite significant differences but i think on the whole i think most of our translations modern translations would at least give us a quite a good picture of mm. an idea of you know what's what's in the original so anyway basically if we kind of read the bible and not focus like word for word but kind of try to get the big picture of what it's actually saying and the meaning yeah. behind I, it I, rather than than the little details then. Yeah, in many ways, I think. And of course, you've got some translations that focus more, try to be more literalistic in their interpretation. So, for example, the English Standard Version would be one. Mm. You know, it tries to kind of do more of a literal translations. Others would still be quite literal, but maybe a bit more nuanced in trying to express things in perhaps more understandable English. So NIV mm. would be one of those. So I think we can still kind of focus on the individual words, but I think we need to uh, take it, as we would say in England, with a pinch of salt, you know, that okay it's still a, it's still a, a translation okay so you're essentially saying that it doesn't actually matter what translation you're reading just as long as you're kind of like a uh sort of critical critically reading it or <laughs> yeah to, to some extent yeah I, I do think i think there are some translations are better than others so for example the king james version which which is is, is great old english and it's beautifully beautifully translated but that is actually based on older, well, not older, but poorer sets of manuscripts than, for example, our modern translations. So therefore, it ha I would say it's, it's less authentic regarding the original manuscripts than our modern translations. So therefore, I think if you want to do serious Bible study, for example, I wouldn't use the King James Version personally for that. I would use a, a more modern translation. See, uh, so I think that... So I think there are better translations and worse translations in that sense. See, I knew you wouldn't go to heaven if you read the King James. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again, I think, I think when it comes to the essential doctrines, you know, aspects of Christianity, you know, I, I don't think the accepted translations, the differences would be, you know, sufficiently different to kind of really, you know, lead you astray perhaps. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I kind of figured that as well. Like, as for me, when I'm, of course, there's so many things that you get confused by when you're reading, like all these like weird stories that just like I've never really paid attention to before. <laughs> but like now, when I I read it, I'm like, whoa! All right. Yeah. You know? And those are the those are more so the uh, you know like the things where where. I, what I stumble on that that are just very confusing, you know, like, mm. um, well, I can't think of an example at the moment, but like, there are just those moments when you're just like, what is this? <laughs> uh, absolutely, yeah. And so I've been just reading, um, you know, through the Pentateuch or the, if you like, the Torah, so the first five books of the Bible. Recently, I mean, and Deuteronomy at the moment, and particularly when you when, when I read like Leviticus, if I'm completely honest with you, you know, some of the stuff just seems so weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, lots about bodily discharges and stuff, and so I'm thinking, wow, this is, <laughs> you know, God, what are you trying to say to me here through this, <laughs> through this text? I'm not quite sure. 
and, and you're right. I think some of the stuff, but then I guess, but then it just helps to appreciate that, you know, they were written for, they were first and foremost written for their time, even if they were also written for me indirectly in that sense. So I guess it's just trying to understand, you know, the original context and, and what I can, you know, and, and read them in light of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, definitely. And I think that the one good takeaway from here is to try to like, you know, read, read those texts with some kind of support, you know, when, mm-hmm. and what I like, what I typically do is just Google something, you know, and that might yeah. not be, but maybe it is a good approach. I don't know. <laughs> I think, well, I, th- I think it can help. Of course, with the internet, you can find all sorts of sources and all sorts of interpretations, but, but yeah, I think it's, yeah, it can be, <laughs> but, but often, you know, it, it can, it can give you some, some light or illumination. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Villa, going back to your, your earlier question about if you like different interpretations and people having different interpretations, um, right. And I guess in, if you like to use a bit of kind of um, theological jargon, you know, people talk about hermeneutics, so how we interpret the text. Um, and I think there are some basic hermeneutical principles that you, you, should, you, should, you should apply. But, um, but I think for me, when I, when, I think of the, when I think of the text, when I think of interpreting it, I think for me, and again, this is, I think, that the beauty and the challenge with the Bible as a for Christians, because we we both believe that it's the it's the word of man or people, because humans have written it, but we also believe that it's the word of God. So it's at the same time the word of man and the word of God, and um, and therefore I think we need to understand it in its historical context, and you know make sense of the words in light of the broader book, or if you're reading a verse, you know in light of the chapter, and try to make sense of that in in that broader context. Mm-hmm. But then also we believe that God can speak to us through it because it's also his word and it's, it's a living word that's still active and can actually speak powerfully into our, into our lives. And I think for me, therefore, I, I often kind of try to hold those two things in tensions and, uh, and try to make sense, if you like, of the historical meaning, but also then always ask the question, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you trying to say to me through this? And I think as a, as a Christian, certainly for me to read it just in, in, in a one-dimensional way, just focusing on the historical side of things, for me, kind of defeats the, the Christian purpose of reading the Bible, which is to, to encounter God and to come to know Christ. But then to just read it in a kind of, a, if you like, a spiritual sense without actually giving any attention to the historical context or, or its kind of genre, etc., I think also then doesn't do full justice to the reading. So I think when it comes to interpreting, I think those, those two things should be kept in fine tension. And I think in light of that, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be of the view that there's always just only one right interpretation of a particular text. Mm. Uh, I think there can be more than one interpretations. And, and you see that when you read commentaries, often commentators, you know, biblical scholars who spent a lot more time than me and you have on, on some of the passages, they would disagree on how they interpret them. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I think potentially there can be more than one interpretation, but for me that doesn't mean that any interpretation goes. So I would say there's a there can be a plurality of meanings, but that plurality of meanings doesn't mean that anything goes. I think there there can be more than one one meaning, but I think there can also be wrong meanings, uh, and I think that's that's then kind of trying to appreciate you know when is it when is it a wrong reading or when is it just a, another reading. 
so could I, for, could I, for instance, then read something and then just think, like, what does this mean for me and apply that to my life, <laughs> you know, or should I be cautious of that thinking? No, I, I, I think I think I think that's a I think that's a legitimate way of of reading the example that sometimes people use. So someone, you know, the Christian philosopher Nicholas Walterstuff use an example talking about it's, it's, it's a theory called speech act theory. So let me, if I give you an example, um, let's say it's, it's coming to Christmas and, uh, and the mother is around the, around the dining table with the children. And she says to the, to the children that the words, um, uh, Christmas is, is just around the corner, just, you know, two more days to go. Now, for the children, that would mean, guys, don't lose hope. Hang in there. I know you're excited, but just, you know, it's two more days. So, you know, try to, try to stay as calm as possible. But now, if the husband sitting around the dining table also hears that, those same words can mean very different things to him. It might actually mean, mate go and buy those christmas presents as quickly as possible <laughs> because you've actually not you've actually not done the christmas shopping yet so for me so so there you have if you like the, the same sentence but individually to the different people it can mean slightly different things and i think the same is true with the with the bible so when you read a passage about i don't know you know you talked about john 316 in one of your podcasts yeah. it might you know, personally for you, it might mean something slightly different to perhaps when Luke reads it or when I read it. And um, and again, I think as long as it falls within the what I would call the kind of the the, the sphere of, of reasonable interpretations, I think that's fine. Now, of course, if you completely misinterpret it, so, you know, for God so loved the world, and if you were to say things like, well, God's love means that I should now go and, um, you know, shout at people and, 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 you know, force people to do certain things. Then I would say, well, that's a kind of a, a wrong reading, even if you think that's what it means, it means for you. <laughs> so again, so I think maybe that just demonstrates that you can have multiplicity of, of meanings in that sense, but also sometimes you can get it wrong. Mm -hmm. Well, what if it very clearly says something like, okay, so I can, I don't, actually remember the passage but like we can talk about something that's concrete in my life how mm -hmm. i viewed it like there was a passage about uh tattoos for instance uh mm -hmm. that you shouldn't like you know uh put ink on your skin or something like that i don't remember what it what it exactly was the passage yeah. but so how i interpreted that was that <laughs> was that it was like for the time at that time people were sort of around that general area putting the ashes of the dead and put, putting those like inking those into their skin sort of like to get their spirit like uh you know like kind of consume their spirit in some kind of way or something like that which totally uh is not what i was ever trying to do <laughs> so <laughs> sure <laughs> so like when when it says something directly and then i kind of like very directly form my own interpretation of it without actually being a scholar or like theologian or anything like that, then what do you think of those situations? <laughs> yeah. But again, I think what you did there, um, I guess, you, I think you applied good, if you like hermeneutical skills, good ways of approaching the text. You were trying to 
first understand what did the text mean then and there for the people? What was the significance of tattoos or kind of, you know, putting ink on your skin in those days? And you, and, and you try to first make sense of that. And then what, after you'd done that, then you ask the question, well, does, does this apply to me? What is the significance for me? And you came to the conclusion, uh, well, I don't think it's, it applies to me anymore. Just like maybe some of the other Old Testament commandments, like you shouldn't mix fabrics in your clothing or, you know, you shouldn't eat pork or, or whatever you might think. Well, they don't, they don't apply to me anymore. Well, they never applied to me because they were for a particular time and for a particular group of people in a particular situation. So I think, so I think for me, that's reasonable. Of course, the challenge with that is, and I think it's just because of the human tendency, often, particularly if we, if we read passages that we don't quite like, or if, we, if we're yeah. challenged by the text, we can kind of, if you like, do a bit of hermeneutical sleight of hand, where we do kind of just try to explain things, where, well, it, it doesn't apply for me because it was meant for a different audience in a different situation. And I guess mm -hmm. we just need to be careful that we don't, misuse some of those basic principles that's actually yeah. something that i was gonna go into that i i've been thinking about as well is that i think like um i i've at least experienced in the past um kind of spiritual leaders who have seemed to kind of already have something in their mind that they want <laughs> to prove and uh something that's whether it be selfish or serving some other motive but but to kind of dig through the bible to kind of piece together mm. some sort of a you know a case for why this is this this is true and i think uh at least i, I i'm I know it's it's a lot about like self uh, self analysis and self awareness to kind of understand your own motives and to be aware of them. But I I wonder how how often that happens and how hard it is to actually um, kind of keep your motives mm. while reading the scriptures like pure and and not yeah. try to you know make something out of something that's not quite there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that is, is a really good observation. And I think all of us are in danger of doing that. And I think the other challenge with the Bible is, is, you know, particularly the so-called Protestant canon or Bible, you know, 66 books written over a long period of, of time. And therefore, in many ways, you could probably justify many things if not most things that you do right things or wrong wrong things in light of the bible if you just pick random verses in an isolated manner uh, and that's why what some people talk about proof texting this idea that you know you just kind of pick individual verses here and there and use them as if you like proofs to to make your point so the you're talking about the pastor or the leader who has a particular view on something and then they kind of randomly randomly select you know a number of verses from different parts of the Bible to make their point. Okay. Um, that I think that that can be that can be dangerous in that sense. And therefore, for me, I think the really important thing is is to kind of understand the overall narrative of the Bible. So, you know, some people talk about, um, particularly in, in certain Christian traditions, you know, they talk about, you know, it starts with creation, God being the creator of the world. Then there's some kind of a a fall of, of humanity that, that we understand. 
But then much of the, the Bible following from that, particularly from kind of Genesis 12 onwards with, with Abraham and others, it's about redemption. You know, God first chooses a people, you know, chooses Abraham, then the people of Israel. It's about God redeeming, redeeming that which was lost. And then, of course, that's culminated in, in, in Christ and his birth, his life and his death and his resurrection. And then, if you like, the church continues that aspect of of redemption and and being bringing you know spreading the good news, so to speak. And then it finishes in what is referred to as kind of consummation or the fulfilling of all things, you know, when mm. when we believe that God will make all things new or renew all things. And I think to kind of understand that broader narrative or picture, I think is is more helpful. And then to kind of locate the individual books of the Bible the chapters, the verses within that broader narrative. And I think that in some ways helps to guard against randomly picking and choosing and mixing isolated verses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this cherry picking verses kind of thing is very, co- like, I don't know if it is actually as common as I think, but somehow I have this thought in my head that I've actually grown up like being in a lot of situations where where it's felt like that, like, Mm. that this is uh you know <laughs> i've been in some weird weird situations. <laughs> oh man i have some stories too but i'm not going to tell them now <laughs> yeah. yeah but maybe maybe if I, if you don't if you guys don't mind what, what about for you guys you know what what does the bible mean to you you know how, how do you approach it um or don't approach it <laughs> well don't approach it is actually like lately Kind of, I have to admit that it, it's been quite a long time since I've uh, read the Bible, and um, I think I read it a lot more um, in my younger years, and actually was in um, a Bible college for uh, for a season, and actually studied mm-hmm. some hermeneutics and and things of such. But um, I think. Uh, at least I kind of went through a, a reevaluation of of what I believe about God and what I believe about Christianity and kind of a rebuilding of such um, to kind of clear out all of the, all of the things that I didn't believe because I believed them, but I believed them because somebody basically told me to believe them. And so mm-hmm. kind of during that process, um, one of the things that I have not re- like reclaimed is my actual like um, ability to just sit down and read the Bible and so um, that's something that actually I have to say that during this episode, I've been more inspired to do and that it kind of makes me feel a bit more at ease about returning to that because I think that mm. that uh, it's been, you know, it, it, the Bible is just such a it's such a daunting task to just kind of, <laughs> you look at the thing if if you're looking at a physical bible it sits on the it sits on the table it's thick and it's just like when you look at it it's just like oh god I, it's so huge you know and there's yes. so much in it and there's so many like uh so many ways that you can interpret things and it just somehow it's just so big that i just haven't haven't crossed the line back into it again and uh, mm-hmm. so kind of you know, at least that's where I'm at. And I, I, I think, I don't know, I, maybe this is a turning point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me as well, I'm a little bit on a similar line with Luke. I've only 
for the past like half a year, I want to say, is when I've like started to become way more interested in in reading and reading the Bible, which I have now been doing pretty actively, which you know has kind of like um, kind of it like started from me just like wanting to grow closer to God, and you know, like I've kept hearing that this is the word, you know, like all my life I've known mm. that it is the word of God, and how do I how do I like you know like uh, develop that relationship? in any other way other than, you know, reading the Bible, plus also, of course, through my personal just prayer life and mm -hmm. so on, and oh, church life and et cetera. But in any, any case, it's been just so interesting for me to, like, just actually get to know, like, what it, what it entails in general. I've read it before through, but I, I do not remember anything from that time basically now i've <laughs> sort of like got this whole new approach to the whole reading the bible i like basically the way that i approach it is that i sort of read one chapter a day and then i just write kind of like i just write down what i remember from that or what kind of like what thoughts that sort of like mm -hmm. uh, popped up in it so for me it's sort of very much in a just like uh, a whole part of just trying to grow closer to god that is what it sort of means to me at the moment yeah yeah, mm. yeah and i think well it's really interesting and often you know i i think maybe going back to the, the one of the first things i said for me the scriptures they point me to, to jesus and towards jesus you know jesus mm. himself says you know in john chapter 5 verse 39 that says to the jewish religious leaders he says you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life yet it is they that bear witness about me yet you refuse to come to me so i think for me you know if we as christians when we read the bible they they should be pointing us towards jesus and, mm -hmm. and, that, and that's why you know that's why i read the bible i suppose mm, right well yeah uh, I had one kind of like last topic to tackle here, just uh, to go back into sort of uh, the original. I just had this like uh, thought about like how the Bible was put together. That always sort of like pops up in my thoughts. Like how can we, how do we feel about that, that it's the word of God and we know that it was the uh, canon who, or, you know, like the Catholic sort of, or could you just kind of like uh, talk about that? I know you have some information about how the Bible was put together <laughs> sure. just in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and no, that's a, yeah, again, and that's a, that's a big question, isn't it? You know, I think particularly, uh, you know, some people think that it was kind of the end of the end of the fourth century that the church just decided to put these certain books together that then formed the Bible. And I think there's, there's some truth in that, but it's not quite as, as simple. Um, so I guess, Obviously, we've got the Old Testament um, and there was some kind of a canon or if you like agreed text, what should be part of the Hebrew scriptures, you know, even from the from the time of Jesus. At least, you know, there maybe have been some debates what book should be there and what shouldn't. But nevertheless, more or less, the Old Testament, as we know, it would have been accepted to to a great extent. But then, of course, when it comes to the New Testament, the 27 books of the New Testament, you know, who, who decided, how was it decided, <laughs> what should be the authoritative texts uh, of the New Testament? And um, in many ways, I think people often, you know, people who've studied and looked into this, they would often know that there were kind of three things that helped 
the church to discern to discern what what should be included in the New Testament and what shouldn't. And the first criteria that they tended to use was this idea of apostolicity. In other words, they thought that only those texts that carried some kind of apostolic authority should be included in the New Testament. In other words, either they were written by the apostles who were the, you know, the, the close disciples of, of Jesus, you know, often eyewitnesses of, of, of the life of Christ, or if they weren't directly written by them, they should be written by someone who was closely associated with an apostle. So let me give you an example. Uh, I suppose we think of the gospel of Matthew. You know, according to church tradition, Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. So therefore, he was in that carries apostolic authority. But then we think of the gospel of Mark. Well, as we know it, John Mark was not a disciple of Jesus. But then according to tradition, Peter was the, the main source behind the gospel of Mark. So therefore, even if Mark wasn't an apostle, it still kind of carried Peter's authority because he was the primary source in many ways behind that particular uh, gospel. So the first thing they use is this idea of apostolicity. And of course, Paul's writings, because Paul was seen as apostle, even if he wasn't a disciple of Jesus in Jesus' uh, earthly life, if you like. Nevertheless, you know, his writings were seen as carrying apostolic authority. The second kind of thing that the church or the kind of the if you like, the bishops and the church leaders reflected on was the question of Catholicity. So that has nothing to do with the Roman Catholic churches. We have it, but I suppose Catholic meaning universal. So they only accepted texts that already were generally accepted by believers, by local churches across, the, if you like, the Roman Empire as carrying special authority. Uh, so, so in that sense, it's not like the church just decided to pick up random texts and put them in the New Testament. Actually, in many ways, the texts had already proven themselves to carry special authority for the Christians, mm -hmm. you know, for a few hundred years. So therefore, someone like Peter J. Williams from, from, from Cambridge, from there, he would make the point that sometimes people say, who decided which, which book should be included in the Bible or in the New Testament? And he would say, it's a bit like asking the question, who decides who, run, who wins the 100-meter sprint at the Olympics? Well, the point is that no one decides who wins the 100-meter sprint at the Olympics. Whoever happens to run the fastest <laughs> wins it. And in the same way, we would say, actually, with the, many of the New Testament texts, they had already proven themselves. They had, if you like, they had already ran the race successfully. Mm. And they were then just mm -hmm. affirmed as, as a result. So that's the second thing, this idea of catalyst. They were already accepted to a great extent. Uh, mm -hmm. by the church and then the third question is orthodoxy about them somehow carrying right beliefs or you know or reflecting the teachings of jesus and the early tradition of of the church uh, so they were so kind they, of seen so they so fit they, the puzzle basically yeah exactly yeah that that that's right so in many ways it's not like these three criteria were used systematically but in many ways they were the if you like the guiding principles that seem to inform uh, the Christian canon and the New Testament canon. Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, that um, makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> you feel better about reading the Bible now. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Luke, do you have any more questions that pop up? From no, I don't have any questions, but I, I just have to say that this has been like really eye-opening and, and I'm really happy that, that Simo, that you've been here to kind of shed some light on some things and also that it, it feels like, uh, shall I say, safer 
to kind of talk about this kind of thing with some somebody who actually like knows a lot of, I mean, you know, verses that, I mean, I, I don't know verses. I can't quote verses and say it was this <laughs> verse and this number and that, and, and that just, that means so much to me that somebody actually who knows what they're talking about is, is, is like joining in on this, this discussion. So mm-hmm. I think it's been really, really wonderful that you've been able to be here. Mm-hmm. No, thanks guys. It's been my, my pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Simo. This has been like a very interesting conversation and hopefully we get to have some more in the future. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. All right. And uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this episode. And uh, if you have any questions or any any messages you'd like to send our way, you can do it through the anchor.fm slash Sobermind site and you can send us voice messages and Please do so. We really appreciate those. And yeah, keep subscribing to our show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And uh, until next time. Cool. See ya. See ya.